0: to the Meditation Conversation, the podcast to support your spiritual revolution. I'm your host, Kara Goodwin, and today I'm joined by Mina the Andromedan. I am so excited about this episode. I love Mina. She is exceptionally bright and knowledgeable. You'll hear me talk about this in the episode, but I had an amazing galactic history report reading with her a few weeks ago. If you're curious about your galactic history, you'll really enjoy a session with her. I learned a ton in mine, and it's really interesting to see how things that you're naturally drawn to in your life are reflected in the lives you've lived in other places. Just as one example, the reason Mina ever came to my attention was because she is Mina the Andromedan, and I've felt such a connection with Andromeda, and it turns out that I have much history with both the galaxy and the constellation of Andromeda, and we'll talk about the difference between these in this episode too. Mina is an Andromedan, Archangel, Lyran hybrid who sits on the Andromedan council and who was sent to Earth to help humanity realize its potential and choose higher timelines. She's a channeler of messages and light language. She offers readings in which she uses a multitude of resources, including messages from source and guides remote viewing and Akashic records to help those who are sent to her to help facilitate a higher ascension trajectory. So Mina will be my guest on my monthly live stream with the Conscious Awakening Network on March 29th, 2024. So once you hear this episode, I know you're going to want to have the opportunity to join us for that live stream so you can ask her your own questions. You have to register for these live streams. So go to KaraGoodwin.com and select live stream events. I've got truly amazing guests lined up. In addition to Mina in March, I'll have Michael Jaco in December, Isabella Green in January, Maureen St. Germain in February. So sign up at KaraGodwin.com and you can also get a free guided meditation while you're there right on the homepage. And now enjoy this episode. All right. Welcome, Mina. I'm so excited to be with you.
1: I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for having me.
0: So, can you talk about your background and how all of this kind of came about for you and have you always known that you're from Andromeda?
1: Yeah, maybe not Andromeda specifically, but I've always known I was not from Earth. So, even since I was little, how my memories came back to me was in a linear fashion, but it was like backwards. So, it was starting from the most recent incarnation that, you know, I had. So it was like Archangel, uh, Mermaid, Sirius B, Cetacean Being. Those were the first three memories I had. And so I always had Archangel Michael with me and I would always be talking to the angels. And even as a baby, I was like talking before I was supposed to and walking before I was supposed to. And I was climbing on top of things when before I could walk. And well, climbing mom, out the
0: window onto oh, the yeah.
1: roof. And- yeah, no, I opened, I pulled a chair and I climbed up the chair, unlocked the door and got outside and climbed on top of the roof. Yeah, that was, that was interesting. And then my mom said I've even, when I was like two, almost three, I unlocked the door and went out into traffic and started trying to direct traffic at like that age. And, you know, I was definitely not your average child. And at 11 months old, I told my mom when she put a dress on me, you know, for Christmas dress, those really ridiculous big dresses. She says, I looked at her and put my hands on my head and said, I wouldn't be caught dead in this. And she said, okay, (laughs) so I guess you don't like it, huh? Yeah, you know, I I didn't like wearing dresses. I I liked to, you know, I was a bit of a tomboy, which is funny because I was the oldest. So I didn't have any boys around me, but I just, I was always about getting into the mix of things. And I wanted to explore and learn about everything. And so I've always known I was different and growing up. And then in, in fifth grade, I was taken by the government. And so my mom didn't know about it. I would get up and she would go to work early. And in those days in really rural areas, there wasn't a lot of guidance. Like it was okay if you left your kids, you know, to do their own thing. Mm -hmm. And I would get up to go to school at 530 in the morning to catch the bus. And my mom didn't know I was leaving that early. And so I would go get on the bus and we would ride about an hour, hour and a half. To school and i would it was so long I would just I would fall asleep because it was so long, and we wake up and there's this like big kind of military building it's like nondisclosed there's no signs there's a guard shack, and then there's like the old kind of gates where the the thing goes up and down, blocking it, and the rest is like high wire fence with bob wires and everything all over it and I remember the uniform because it was super bizarre because now that i've been that I'd been in the military and I know the military stuff. I am so tripped out by what they were wearing cuz they were wearing like this kind of white uh, hazard thing across like a sachet across and the helmets were almost like construction they were white but they were like the old time guard helmets it was really bizarre and when I went in, and they let us in there was only like maybe 3 other kids on the bus which was already and like now looking back I'm like that's bizarre and then we would go inside the building and as soon as I crossed the threshold into the building that's the last thing I remember. And that whole chunk of day is gone and I would wake up on the bus. And I was, I'd be groggy for the rest of the day and I'd want to, my mom said I would just want to come home and I'd be cranky and stuff. And so I think you know, after a while, I guess whenever the school would call, they would reroute the call and so the call wouldn't come or they would call and, and do whatever call they needed to do to my mom. So even when my mom called the school, it would reroute. One day, we had somebody from the school physically come to our house. And I guess that was one that slipped through. And my mom found out I wasn't in school. And they were saying they were threatening to call CPS and all these things. And she freaked out, took me, and ran. And we left. So we was
0: this happening day after day?
1: Yeah, this was happening day after day for a four-month period. And your so, mom was
0: working in the military. Is that right? She had a military She, she job. was,
1: but she was out by then. She okay. was out by then. She was just working one of those jobs that had like graveyards. So she would be gone, you know, really mm-hmm. early. And then when I went to school and stuff, and then she'd be gone the rest of the day. So she'd okay. get back before I came home. But yeah, it was just, she would go super early in the morning.
0: And so, so you don't have memories from this time no, period.
1: And when I asked my higher self, basically what it was is I know they were testing me for gifts and things like that. But I know that because of my age, I'd only had the one piece that I came into this world with, the soul fractal. And so it was before I died the first time. So I hadn't got that second piece of a fractal of my soul yet. So I didn't have, I mean, I was still very advanced and I was very intelligent and all that, but I didn't have all of the gifts that I had. Like I had things that that maybe they might have learned or not. And so it's one of those things I want to get like a QHHT session for or, Some kind of like hypnosis to dig deeper into.
0: So when you say you hadn't died yet, is that that in this lifetime?
1: Yeah, I've died four times. Died four times. And every time I've died, I have like the first time I drowned, I was pulled under by riptide and carried a mile down the beach and they had to resuscitate me. And so that was the first time I was nine years old. And then the second time was when I was a teenager and I actually took my own life. And they had to use the pumps or the um, paddles to resuscitate me. I died four times on the way to the hospital. Then they resuscitated me in the hospital. And then, so that was that second time. And that one was when I actually had contact on the other side with the council. And so that was really interesting.
0: The Andromedan um,
1: Council? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. And so that was the first, but I didn't know it at the time. It wasn't until later that I figured out that's who they were. But they were like, did you think it would be that easy? I'm like, <laughs> Did it have to be that hard? <laughs> They're like, you can't die. <laughs> like, you can't die. You, have got things to do. You have to go back, and I'm like, yeah. I'm lie. <laughs> so it was funny because the psychiatrist asked me. She's like, if I let you out, will you do this again? And I looked at her and was like, no, I can't die. Just, <laughs> like, like they told me I can't. Yeah, I can't <laughs> die. Like if I try, I can't die. And she was like, hey. <laughs> so. Oh
0: my goodness.
1: Yeah. So that was the second time, and then two more after that. And every time I integrated a soul fractal. And I later found out that was, you know, because nobody was around me. I was doing this stuff before a lot of anybody. So mm-hmm. there weren't terminology for it or anything. So now looking back, I'm, I realize that's a form of walk-in. But it's me. It's still me walking into myself. But that still mm-hmm. counts. So I was like, hmm, okay.
0: Oh, interesting. Yeah. And then I, I understand that, like, when you went to college and specifically during your internship, that was really when mm-hmm. you had more of a conscious awakening. So. How was, how did that sort of propel you in a different way?
1: Yeah. So prior to that, still being in college. So in 2012, I was doing things locally because remember, you know, the internet wasn't that great. And so I was doing things locally, helping awakening. And I was using, like, I've been using the word starseeds since 2009. And as far as I know, I'm the first and only person to use it that early. And not a lot of people know that, but it, I just thought if for me, I'm, I love languages, right? I speak nine languages. So entomology and the study of, of words and stuff. And I thought star, we come from the stars and we were planted here to grow. So we're star seeds. And so that was what made sense to me. And so I, I affected the people around me activating light language and using gifts. And we would just practice using our gifts and telepathy and telekinesis and stuff. And we just did this kind of stuff. And I worked a lot with the tribes around my area where I lived in New Mexico. Of course, they would put me in New Mexico. <laughs> where all the aliens are right no. <laughs> in fact i was taken by the government in new mexico as well but anyways so i live the most in new mexico but there is a lot of people don't know but there is a lot of universities there that are involved with deep state programs so the university i went to had a program called the nssp organization which is the national security studies program so my university teachers were the cia NSA, DIA, Sandia Lab stuff, like uh, biochemical warfare, you know, professors, stuff like that. And so I did, I had an opening into DC. So I was just offered this internship after I had a experience with my 15th density self. And that was a trip and a half. So she told me that there was this big, giant, sacred, geometrical, fractal head. Oh, head man, i can describe a head yeah. <laughs> yeah wearing like a, the kind of chiquita banana like thing like but all sh- made of sacred geometry <laughs> colors and fractals and she's like talking and i'm like in her and outside of her like i can't even describe the density because it's oh my there words. but she's telling me you're gonna go to dc and i'm like i'm not gonna go to dc why would i go to dc i can't stand dc like why would i go she's like you're gonna go you have a mission you have to go and and defeat this inky and blah 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 and i'm like No, I don't have money. I'm like a starving student. Like I'm not gonna go to DC. So some time goes by, and I put it out of my mind. And then my favorite professor, who loves me, she recommended me for an internship in DC, and it was fully paid, and everything. And so it would even get paid on top of it. So I was like, okay, I'm going. I guess I'm going to DC. (laughs) I'm going to DC. (laughs) So I went, you know, and it and it was a very eye-opening experience. So I was already well along the awakening part, but I saw, I guess that's where I really saw some deeper, darker stuff. And so did a lot of grid working there. I met some really interesting people. I, I affected change there. Who People who are already scratching at the surface, mostly in conspiracy theories, that's where it starts, right? And they start getting the inkling. And then so we talked more and I had them focus more on the consciousness and the ascension part of things. That while not focusing too much on the negative and the darkness, and then I got my kind of, you know, I met the president at the time and really that scared the crap out of me. I saw a lot of uh, reptiles, saw a lot of really spooky stuff, shape, shape-shifting stuff in there, and I was just like, this is, this is crazy. Were yeah, you so. seeing that with your mind's eye? no 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 really? it was my eyes my my eyes i was there was no mind i <laughs> oh i was pretty terrified yeah so wow. that wow uh, like that was right nuts. in front of you, you yeah and i mean so i'm saying like the eyes and that that stuff oh. freaked me out you know and again and even if let's just say i'm not saying that all reptiles are bad or all draconians are bad i'm just saying that at that point in time being exposed to something right there in your face that there was nobody was talking about really you know very, very few people were talking about it and it wasn't as prevalent, you know, in social media or anything like that. So for that, for me getting that firsthand, I was like, oh my gosh. So that's me experiencing it without any outside interference or coloring or bias. So for me, I was just like, oh, I did not get good feelings, good vibes. Like the energy was totally whack.
0: (laughs) So Right. Oh my gosh. And so how did that contribute to your greater awakening? I thought I understood that Like you, there was a lot that came to your conscious awareness in terms of your gifts and your skills and things that you were doing in the
1: astral and things at that particular time. Am I right? I did have a battle in the astral and, but I was already, my gifts have been, I've most all of my gifts have happened way before that because I've had most of my whole life. Mm -hmm. But what happened there was that awakening of understanding that there was a spiritual war happening like under, behind the scenes. And so I I took place in Astral Battle and in D.C., and that was really intense. I saw some people in that Astral Travel that I've since met in the real now, recently, We know, within the last year or two. So, yeah, so it's been, it's more of that eye-opening that this was not, because I think before I was like, okay, I didn't really have confirmation. I, you know, I'm doing things and other people, like there's independent, confirmation, but not on a grander scale.
0: Mm-hmm. And so
1: when I moved to Dallas and then I was supposed to go to Korea and then COVID hit and it totally waylaid my plans and I got stuck in Dallas and, I, and then COVID happened. And so then I started seeing other people, you know, having this crazy awakening experience and then seeing and knowing the things that I've always known. So then it was like confirmation. And so I started realizing there was a, a grander plan. And it was at that point that I really got on board with the Andromedan Council, they came in last to my awareness because they were my origin. So it was like starting from most recent, coming all the way back to the origin. Okay. So in that way, yes. So I became fully embodied at that point.
0: Okay. So, if that so makes sense. tell us a little bit about that. Do you consider, or like, would you be called a hybrid in terms mm-hmm. of your, okay,
1: so you're an Andromedan hybrid. Yeah. So I'm a hybrid soul. And so how I understand, so, What I understand about there are two different types of hybrids. There are hybrid souls and hybrid genetic hybrids. So what's interesting, though, is the hybrids, even though I'm a hybrid soul, I do have genetic anomalies that are verifiable. And I have tested on my own, you know, through science, through testing my genes and all of that stuff. So there are genetic anomalies. But basically what it means is that you have your you've integrated multiple parts of your parallel life soul fragments. So that's the difference. So it's different than having, you know, recollection of living in those places versus having an actual fractal of that soul being integrated into this current embodiment. So that's the difference there. So I actually have those memories, very vivid, and I can recall them. These are not dreams. I can tell you in detail of each of these lives, not all of the memories of every life, but memories in every life.
0: Okay. Wow. And then, so how does that tie into your gifts in terms of, you know, there might be some gifts that come from your Andromedan fractal mm. and other gifts that come from your mermaid, you know, yeah. fractal yeah. or something. So how does, that, does is there any sort of technique or does that matter at all when you're using your gifts as to where they come from?
1: Once you successfully integrated it, they're definitely a part of you. So I can switch between them. I guess it's it's the same thing of thinking like when you speak multiple languages, when you switch to another language, you're changing internally something you're doing, but it's more autonomous. Like it's not something you're really thinking about. So it's not like I go like, I need to, you know, think in the Andromeda way. I need to think. It's just a very smooth, seamless change. And so it's just a matter of switching languages in your head. So. Okay.
0: Oh, I love that. That's so cool. I'm very curious because I had a galactic, what would you call it? A galactic history reading? Yeah. A galactic history report. Yep. Report. Yep. Okay. Which was fascinating. So anybody who is listening, I highly recommend it. It's so fascinating. How does that work? Come, how, do, how do you do that? Where does the intel come from? What's that like for you to tap into that?
1: Yeah, so it was in uh, December to January, actually, that I got a download that I would be giving this report. And essentially, it's just taking a regular birth chart report, like it's there's hundreds of them you can find online, and then taking the added program element of taking those planetary alignments that go further out. So you can use a birth chart, which only does the main houses, the the sun, the moon, and then all the astrological houses. But then you can take it a step further and then go the ones that align throughout each house. So there's more. There's not just one that is in the house. Then there's secondary, third, fourth, fifth connections. So it's just taking those and then bringing them up. So then that's the one way. That's the actual like report of it. But then reading it, you know, essentially what I'm doing is I'm taking my remembrance, my memories of my galactic history of what I remembered that has come back to me, starting all the way back, actually goes back before time exists. So before that. So I remember the birth of this universe. I remember the birth of other universes. And that comes from me being part of the central race, which that's something a little bit, that's more dealing with the archangels and levels of heaven and stuff. But essentially, you know, it's using my memories. So obviously I don't remember what you were doing, but there are some people, usually people that come to me are connected to me. So if you feel like drawn to me and you want to get a report, it's probably because we have a connection. So that helps. Which, yeah, which I can my memory. Yeah, because yeah, exactly. that came up
0: a few times in mine where you're like, oh, we share this one. Mm-hmm. We were, you know, I was here too, that yeah, type of thing, yeah. which happened a few times.
1: Exactly. And that helps me because, again, since I'm using my memory, I need to pull up those memories and then access where we had, you know, whatever encounter or whatever. So then there's that aspect that I'm also accessing the records. And I'm not talking about the Akashic records. I do. Okay. I, I can access the Akashic records, but the thing about the Akashic Records that I'm not too fond of is that the Akashic Records will contain implanted memories as well. And implanted okay. memories are very useful and they, have, they serve a purpose. You're learning a lesson without having the karma. So it's beautiful. Okay. But it's not an actuality. And because I'm an archangel, I don't like things that are like, it's not really authentic. You know, so I go higher. So there's three different levels. There's the Akashic Records. There's the book of records, which is what the Arcturians really access. And then there is the record of all records, which is the records of the entire Omniverse. And so those are the ones that I access. So I can access before this universe. So I have those access to. So, oh, wow. That's uh, it's mind blowing.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's mind blowing. And then when you're doing the the reading, pr- mm-hmm. pretty much it's a kind of a reading, galactic mm-hmm. reading. Um, You're also getting verification on your side. So I know with in my case, you know, you'd say, "Okay, here's what was happening from like a high level history overview. Right. There was a war and it was Mm -hmm. between these species and this, you know, race of being was doing this and you were probably doing this. And then you'd say, like, let me just ask. (laughs) And then you would be quiet for a little bit. And so what's happening with that? Are you tapping into your guides, my guides. How is that? What's that like for
1: you? So I only access my higher self and higher density versions of myself. I don't access other beings. I except higher. I've had so many lives that there's no need to. So I just go through and access whichever higher self or higher density self has the information. Usually it's my higher self. She's kind of a know-it-all, so she just. Helps me. <laughs> um. I love her, but she's a know it all. So, um, and that trickles down. And I'm like, okay, I'm trying not to be that way. <laughs> yeah. So, so I just ask her and she will, you know, check and let me know. Like, it's pretty fast. Like, I would say it's pretty seamless. And so, it's very easy for me to access my higher self. And so, anytime you see me closing my eyes, that's what I'm doing. So, I, okay. I tend to chat. So, people, I think some people don't understand that about me is like, I am constantly channeling because I'm constantly talking to my higher self. I'm very integrated with my higher self. So it's usually, so anytime I'm closing my eyes, that's what I'm doing.
0: And so would that be your Andromedan or is it something different?
1: Yes. so the higher self is above all that. I'm actually going to be creating. So I had another major download. I did post it on my live, the meditation, but it's something called a soul blueprint. It was given to me and it's absolutely amazing. I'm so excited to talk about it. But essentially, like I was telling you in your report, there's a trifecta, right? Or maybe it's maybe more inverted like this. But essentially it's a triangle and you have your higher self, you have your astral self, and you have yourself, right? Your consciousness. So you've got your higher, your super consciousness, your subconsciousness, and then you've got your consciousness, which is forms at the bottom. So if you took both of those, your higher self and your astral self, and you formed a triangle with your current iteration, which is you, and then you rotated it and formed a triangle with another Incarnation, and you kept doing that all the way around, it would form a beautiful sacred geometry of all the lives you've had. Now, it would form sacred geometry in the center, too. It's going to create a pattern in the center and it's going to create a pattern on the outside. That is your individual soul blueprint, and it is individual to you like a fingerprint. And so, I'm going to start now that I had gotten this download. I want to show people how to do this with the Galactic Report. Once we do that, we'll create a soul blueprint, and that will be your individual soul blueprint. So Your higher self and your astral self are separate. So essentially, you can think of it as your each incarnation has that fractal of the soul, but your higher self and your astral self are more like an oversoul kind of thing. So it's not that's where where the Holy Trinity comes in. And then that's a different geometry for everybody. Mm -hmm. Exactly, because not everybody's had the same lives. Not everybody's had the same combination of lives, same amount of lives at the same time. So it's all going to create an individual soul blueprint. So I'm excited to share that.
0: And then with all the intel that you get, because you, when we did our, my report, you were talking about things I'd never heard of before. Is all of that, does all of that information come from within you or Mm -hmm. from, and again, like that galactic history that you, because you were like. You had so much information, you know, historical information of what these different species are like Mm -hmm. and how they relate to things that we understand on Earth, you know. So they're like this that we have here on our planet, but not quite. It's really Mm -hmm. more like, you know, there is so much. I listened to it again today, so it's really fresh. (laughs) on my
1: mind but I'm like where is she getting all this how does she know because I have my memories from all the incarnations you know I have that information because I have what information they had for the most part I mean obviously there's holes Mm -hmm. but for the most part I have all of that information and I know the history so knowing the history because when you've lived the history you know it right and my memory I have a photographic and a phonographic memory My Whatever I see, I remember. Whatever I hear, I remember unless I purposely flush it away. And that's good and bad. It's bad because I also remember every bad thing that happens to (laughs) me. I don't have the luxury of repressing memories. It's good for everybody else. And that's that was part of my contract coming into this life is that the pro is that I have all of my memories intact so that I can share this galactic knowledge so it's not lost. And the con is that I also have to remember all my trauma. So there's those two sides, but that was part of my contract. So I did not pass through the veil of forgetting. I came yeah. in here coming down the tube, knowing everything that was happening. You know, yeah. Was gonna go on, so,
0: Yeah, for better or worse. I think a yeah. lot of us, you know, I, I guess I should just speak for myself, but it's like, man, that would be such a blessing. But yeah, there is, a, it's double-edged for sure. Yeah. 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 So let's talk a little bit about Andromeda because I imagine a lot of people who are drawn to you feel an Andromedan <laughs> connection. Yes, I love the shirt. And so you can get it
1: from JK Ultra.
0: <laughs> JK Ultra. All right. Okay. He, he, when one of the things that I learned in my report was that there's the Andromedan constellation and there's the Andromedan mm-hmm. galaxy. So right. can you talk a little bit about that and then your
1: place in all of that? Absolutely. There are two different things. So the Andromedan Constellation is located within the Milky Way. So it is still in this galaxy. Okay. It is a constellation, a grouping of stars inside our Milky Way galaxy. Now, the Andromeda galaxy is its own galaxy and it is now they are merging, right? You probably heard about this in the news where the Andromeda galaxy and the Milky Way are starting to merge. Now, the galaxy is its own thing. It is a giant thing, a collection of many, many, many stars and planets, just like the Milky Way is. So
0: Now the galaxy. I'm sorry to interrupt Uh you. Is either is the galaxy like somehow inverted with the Milky Way, or there's like some kind of relationship between the two? I know you're saying that they're merging, but
1: yeah, the Andromedan is like you can think of it as like a yin and yang in the sense that the Milky Way is the masculine and the Andromedan is the feminine. So they're you know in every divine masculine, every divine feminine, there is a core masculine, a core feminine. So the Andromeda galaxy represents that core feminine. Then the Milky Way represents the masculine, right? So there's that dichotomy there. So there is a bit of inversion if you think about it like that. So the end okay, game.
0: okay, so, interesting, yeah.
1: And so the Andromeda galaxy is massive. Obviously, <clears throat> the Andromeda constellation is a lot smaller. There are a lot of species that come from the constellation versus the galaxy. Now. One important thing to note is the constellation has more the Syrian influence, the Lyrian influence, Pleiadian influence, and other species. So they're called Andromedans, but really, can we consider them Andromedans in the strictest sense of the word? I would say no. We call them Andromedans because they're from the Andromedan constellation, but actually they're probably a mixture of other races, such as Syrian, which is where some of them get the blue, like the Almachians or the Moroccans. What else am I missing? The Tidawans. There's some other lesser species too, but the, I'm just thinking of the major ones that we call Andromedan from the constellation. Now, the Andromeda Galaxy ones is very vast. In fact, many of them haven't been, there aren't names for here in, in Earth terms, but you have everything from the alpha Rats to the Vertex Messier 31 Andromeda Galaxy, which is where my species comes from. And most of those, a lot of those are light beings or they're not, they don't have physicality. So those Andromeda races tend to not be physical, but that's not true for all of them, but most of them are not physical. So that's why it's very hard for people to wrap their heads around them because they're all very, very high density beings. And so it's just, yeah, it's not really out. It's not really inside humans reference right now.
0: Throughout that whole galaxy
1: correct most of them okay and yeah, I th- not all of them but most
0: yeah and, and it and has something seems...
1: to do with the blue chemical so there's a blue chemical oh. in the andromeda galaxy and this is what's made it safe for inhabitants against draconians draconians will not go in there and neither will the reptiles because of this chemical that permeates really? it yeah so yeah it's actually highly highly toxic to them and even with technology going in like there it would just it would still permeate it oh wow
0: I feel like that's one of the main reasons that, you know, from a scientific perspective, people are like, we would see ETs or we would see the if there were if there was life, why haven't we seen it? And that seems to be a really obvious, I feel like, how much can we see with our Mm -hmm. eyes like this Mm -hmm. tiny little sliver that we can physically see? It doesn't mean that there aren't conscious entities that don't have that
1: form that we can see with our physical eyes. Right. I mean, if you think about Carl Sagan's experiment of taking the 2D realm and putting a three-dimensional object on top of it, all they're going to see, if you put an apple on top of a piece of paper, they're only going to see where the apple touches the paper. So four dots. Yeah. And that's what they think an apple looks like. So, but reality is if you go higher and then maybe even from the fourth density and fifth density, it looks completely different too. So it's no longer a shape of an apple, but it's something completely different. So we have to understand that we are very limited with our senses, and especially the five senses, but the six senses is where we start to get more connection and more understanding of those other densities. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing.
0: Now, where you come from in, was it M31? Yeah. Vertex Messier 31. So M31. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Okay. So is there a particular belief system or philosophy that would be a lot different than what we're used to here on Earth?
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah. So most of the societies are matriarchal. So the women are in charge. And so that's obviously a big, big difference. But also the way that a lot of them procreate, procreate, it's not really the right word, but that's the closest human term I can think of is different. I prefer their way. They just split energy. And there's another one. <laughs> so a lot easier than going through childbirth. I'll uh-huh. take their way any day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so. But anyways, that so that is different. But their ideology of things, they do not understand at all senseless violence or anything like of the lower, you know, they're all up in their their upper chakras. So the lower density range of emotions and everything is just completely outside of their frame of reference. And I would say more of them are at a zero point field in their emotions and how they think that just being like, you know, neutrality and understanding the dichotomy of things without having to go there to understand it. You know, Mm -hmm. like humans do. Humans almost have to go to the dark to understand it. And so they don't.
0: Okay. And what is there a particular do you have a big history with planet earth yourself or are you just here purposefully at this
1: time for a specific reason or both i I do have i've had lives that uh, non-human lives but i've had lives that were on earth i was speaking i was procyon so i lived on procyon then i also came to earth i was pleiadian I would, and then Lyrian Sulafap. So, even though I was racist that didn't come from Earth, I had, you can think of it like a tour of duty on Earth. So, like, I was part of the galactic alliances that were on Earth doing certain things. So, for a certain purpose, it wasn't necessarily that Earth was my home, although I'm very fond of this planet. It's a very beautiful world. It's definitely been more beautiful in the past, but it's, you know. (laughs) Yeah.
0: And so, do you, I imagine you have a sense of, specifically what your purpose is at this time you know it's such a different time here on this planet historically Mm -hmm. so do you have a sense that you can share about specifically what you're doing this time
1: yeah so I'm here I was put here and given all my memories so that I could help other starseeds help them to remember come back to themselves and empower themselves so that they can continue to help the collective so really indirectly, I'm, I'm not really directly helping humans. I'm really here to help other starseeds. I'm a, a way shower. You can think of me as like the quarterback. I'm running down the field, making the path so that other people can can follow. But I'm also trying to, you know, say, OK, here's an obstacle. Here's an obstacle. Like this is the things we need to address. You know, I have a lot of different things that, you know, a lot of different aspects. So there are different categories, right, of starseeds. There's uh, way showers. There are people with the blueprint. I fall into a lot of those categories for that reason. So I'm also carrying a level of frequency and vibration so that I can help others step into their power. Because really what the point is that we need all hands on deck, right? We need all boots on the ground. We need to have as many of our team here raising the frequency and vibration, helping to affect change around us because we're all beacons of light and that light is ever reaching. Mm. Do you
0: find that there's a specific type of starseed that is drawn to you? Because there are a lot of people, I believe, who are starseeds and they don't even Mm -hmm. recognize that yet. So Mm -hmm. are you helping to wake people up or, you know, are people more drawn to you if they already have some momentum going or?
1: Yeah, it used to be I would get the new ones like way back because when I was really the only person that I knew back then, you know, I was getting a lot of new starseeds. But that has changed. And now my role is helping people who already know, who are already on the path or have a proclivity for advancement. There are some people that can go really fast and they go like zero to 100 real quick. And so mm-hmm. that those people are also drawn towards me. So I can say both. But typically it's more advanced star seeds that come to me.
0: Okay. Interesting. So I'm curious about your own experience. You know, you've shared When you were a child and some of the like missing time and governmental Mm -hmm. interference that you had, have you had other ET contact more recently?
1: And what has happened like? So I've had quite a few, and I have the videos on my Instagram if anybody's interested in watching them. But essentially, I had a, a major experience in my home, and that was where I was physically taken. And something that's so cool and that I love, I guess, maybe being the Andromedan that I'm such, I'm really, really good with tech. I wear an Apple watch and my Apple watch always tracks anytime I get taken. And it's so cool because, so one morning I was taken for 30 minutes and my watch stopped. All of my vitals stopped for 30 minutes. And then I came back and then I immediately, when I came back, I was awake. So it went from being asleep in deep REM, like deep, deep sleep to flatline and then 30 minutes later fully awake. And so that was one thing. And I made a video about that. And then I've also been taken while I was camping in the same place I just went. And that one was one of those. So something to understand about people that have contact. Okay. There are different types of contact. There are the Oversoul, which is the people that have ships where a crew and they have their ET body there that is streaming consciousness into the human avatar, kind of like avatar. Then there is me because I'm a light being and I don't have a body in a ship. I do have a ship, but I actually take my entire ET body and put it in this body. So literally my body will animate and deanimate like avatar. So that happened to me. I was actually with my mom and I would literally just flatline and my body would just you know be out and then I was taken up in the ship and that actually ended up being a fiasco because yeah I ended up being taken to the emergency room and the ambulance came and that was like a big fiasco because my heart rate was going crazy because this was right around the serious portal and so it was fourth of July or seven seven six was the day so it was right the day before and so on seven five I told myself I was like you know for this serious portal. I want to have all the upgrades. I want to have all of the download. I'm ready for it all. I can handle it. Famous last word. <laughs> and I, so then I waited. And that night, and nothing happened. And the next day, nothing happened. So I go, oh, well, I guess it's not going to happen. So I, I did decide to take uh, some plant medicine. And taking the plant medicine, and then that next that night, it happened. And unfortunately, they were not counting on that other thing going on when they took me it would have normally just been a very fluid process but my body was going through things and so my heart rate was almost up to 200 beats per minute Uh, they were freaking out like I was having panic attacks and so when they took me up they were like you're gonna have to calm down and it's so crazy because it felt like I had an ear in earpiece they're not talking with their mouth and there's you know they're definitely very much not human um, and they're like, you've got to calm down. Like, we're, we're trying to do these upgrades on you. And they're like, she forgot how to play the game. I remember them saying that. And I was like, instead of me thinking of my human self going like, what game? My, my ET self was like, what went wrong? <laughs> so I was like, <laughs> why am I here? I <laughs> think they are like, oh, you're going to have to lay down. We're going we're gonna to have to do this. And then they put me back in my body and I still hear them talking to me. And uh, I can't move. I'm like paralyzed. My bo- it feels like pins and needles all over my body. I can't move. And I'm freaking out about that, too. And so they're like, you know, there's we're having some integration problems. They're telling me they're like, okay, just take some deep breaths. We're getting it sorted. And they're like, okay, how do you feel? And then I can move my body again. And so I immediately, and then all of a sudden, it was like I fully back into my body. But it was literally like Avatar. Like, I couldn't, I was discombobulated. My speech was slurred. I couldn't talk. And then all of a sudden, it snapped, and everything was online again. And so I got out, and I'm telling my mom and freaking out. And so... And it happened multiple times. And even on the way to the hospital, I'm in the ambulance, these poor paramedics. <laughs> and I'm being taken. And, I, and so I'd come back and I'm talking about what I'm seeing, you know, and then or talking about what I saw when I came back. And every time they kept having to put the EKG because my heart would go crazy. And so that's why they took me because they didn't know what was happening here. So fast forward, I've had that happen again when I was completely sober. And the same thing happens without all the drama. The, my heart rate was fine. And my Apple Watch records it. So I go from having, let's say, my heart rate resting. You know, I'm in a meditative state. And my heart rate's doing its normal up and down like it does. And then as soon as I get taken, my heart rate stops at 84 beats. And it stays for a full hour, doesn't change one beat. And I have the on oh records, have screenshots of it. And my vitals, my sleep goes from I'm fully awake to coma, flat lines. So for oh, the full hour I was taken. And so this didn't multi- I use this cell well med bed twice. And this happened both times and I recorded it. Both have screenshots of it. Oh, I'll be doing a video about that soon. Oh, wow. And so
0: every time you've been taken, it's always friendly. It's like yeah. your oh, team. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. You haven't had any experiences where it's been like any kind of interference or
1: no. And I have crews that follow me. I have ships. I've actually have video of the ships that follow me. I've had them since 2012. I've had multiple videos of the ships that follow me. So yeah, I have oh. my crew's always with me. So I think I'm protected. So yeah, that's wonderful.
0: I part of our time together was a recommendation to do a detox, a metal mm-hmm. detox and a, a like a decalcification detox. Yes. And some of the things that you were talking about just kept taking me back to doing that because I have had I've done many cleanses, many kinds of things where I, you know, for several days do something. And so I did your protocol and it was two two weeks was what it was called for. And it was really funny because not really funny, but it like <laughs> <laughs> it was it kind of sucked at times. But <laughs> but I did it for two weeks and it was like the first week was so easy that it was like, oh, I don't know if anything's happening, but I'm going to keep going, you know. And then I hit like that halfway mark and I was like, oh, my God, I'm dying, I'm dying, <laughs> I didn't really think so. But I basically had the flu with no like stomach symptoms. And I've Mm -hmm. I've had people in my world who are like, are you sure you're not you don't have a virus or something? And I'm like, no, I'm alkaline. Like, I'm Mm -hmm. totally alkaline. And you can't have a virus or bacteria. There's nothing for it to hold on to if you don't have an acidic environment. I was confident about that. But like my lymph nodes swelled up. So like behind my Mm -hmm. ear, which was funny when you were talking about like Mm -hmm. hearing stuff. I broke out into hives, which mm-hmm. was new for me. But it, even with that, I was like, it looks like radiation. Like it was everywhere. And mm-hmm. and so it was just, it was very interesting. I, you know, times of just complete fatigue, where it was like, mm-hmm. I have to, I was literally making dinner for my family and I was almost finished. And I had to say to my husband, like, I need you to take over. I'm going, mm-hmm. I'm going, <laughs> I got to lay down.
1: Yeah. But
0: it was fascinating. But I've had a lot of people in my world who are like, I feel like I need to do a metal detox. Mm-hmm. But it was so um, challenging for me, like that last yeah. part that I, I haven't. And because you've worked very hard on, I know that this has been like something you've worked on for decades mm-hmm. to really get it dialed in. So yeah. I I respect that. And I didn't want to just be like, yeah, here it is. But if people are listening And they're feeling like they want to do a metal detox or they don't know anything about it. Like, why would somebody want to do that? Can you talk a little bit about why this is so important? And then if somebody is interested, how they might get their hands on your protocol?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So it's something that I've been working on for 25 years. I even actually, one of my incomplete degrees, I have complete degrees and then I have an incomplete degree, which would have been pre-med. I focused on just so I could learn the anatomy of the human body, so I could understand the chemistry, so I could work on, because I was giving a download when I was a teenager, that they would be poisoning us through what we ate, through the water we drank, and the air we, we breathed. And so I started developing and, and testing on myself. I actually did that detox for nine months. Oh, wow. So playing and, and tinkering around, trying to figure out what what each thing did and the, and the effect and how it affected my my seeing and my all of my extrasensory and senses. And I finally came up with the correct kind of combination. And then I got a further download, you know, probably a year ago that I needed to adjust it again, because time is speeding up exponentially. So now what took me nine months people can do in six weeks or less. So that's what's cool, lucky for you guys. But anyways, and so essentially, what it is, it's, it's a combination of a heavy metal detox, a decalcification, and a little bit of an antiparasitic. Essentially, people always do a heavy metal detox, and that's great. But that only focuses on the current heavy metals you're imbibing. It doesn't focus on the damage that's already been done by the heavy metals and the chemical, alchemical composition in your body that forms calcification on your organs, on, on your pineal gland, things like the spleen, the liver, the kidneys. Your GI tract will even form a one-inch thick plaque on the inside that prevents you from absorbing nutrients. So all of these things needed to be addressed. We need to now reverse the damage because most people don't start thinking about this stuff until decades after they've already poisoned their body. So we're literally taking decades of poisoning and we're trying to revert it in a very short time. So this is not a trip, you know, this is not a, a vacation when you do this detox. It is supposed to be difficult because you're trying to reverse decades of destruction to your body in a matter of weeks. So it is going to be intense, but essentially what it does is it does make your lymph nodes work really hard. Those are your trash cans of your body. And so sometimes what happens is those get blocked. They get calcified. And these ones get calcified. And there's some that between your legs that get calcified. And so we've got to empty all of those trash cans so they can continue doing what they're supposed to be doing for your body. And so in the same for your spleen also does that your gallbladder, these things that are not necessary, are actually very necessary, your tonsils, things like that. So I've never had any of those things removed from me. I have all of the those things and I just focus on decalcification, then they work properly. Now your endocrine system is working properly. Now your thyroid and all of those things and your body, your weight, everything is starting to get in alignment again. And that's what that does. If you're experiencing brain fog, if you're experiencing loss of memory, if you're experiencing fatigue, hormonal issues, if you're experiencing a block with your pineal gland, you're not seeing, you're not extra anything, then you definitely want to do this because this focuses on decalcification and not a lot of things out there do that. And mm-hmm. so that's why I created that. And if this is something that interests you, I do include this with my galactic history report. And I really recommend people start there because not only are you going to learn about all your incarnations, but I do a full in-depth karmic analysis. So any karmic analysis or any karmic that you have in your past, we'll focus on, but also as it relates to this current incarnation. And we're going to go over all your gifts and as well as any of those blockages, which is that pineal gland decalcification. Mm -hmm. So that's the best way I recommend it. The reason why I do that is because it's very personalized. So I actually go in your records and see how long you need to do it for, if you even need to do it at all. Some people might think they need it and they might not. It might be something completely different. So I just recommend starting there. Yeah,
0: that was my thought as well, because I'm like, I know that you had to tune in to say, Mm -hmm. this might be something for you. Let me tune in. Okay, yes. And how long? and then you gave me like it was so personalized yeah that i didn't really want to even suggest to somebody like well, right you know yeah
1: because some people might think it's that and it's actually like an a spiritual blockage like i also i'm a psychic surgeon on top of that so i can also remove and close portals or remove implants or entities so sometimes those symptoms bleed into these other things so i really need to make sure that's what it is cuz i don't want to i don't want to put your body through that i'm not mm. saying it's going to hurt you but you can do some damage in a way, if especially if you don't have that calcification buildup, you can do some damage to your bones if you're not careful with some of the things in it, because it is a decalcification. And if you don't have any calcification to decalcify, then it's going to take away in from your drop. bones. 10. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, yeah. you want to make sure that you really need to do this. So,
0: yeah, I, I love that. And that was one of the things that I, I was very interested when you were talking about that you're undoing like decades worth of damage and i that was the sense that i had was especially like cuz i was getting headaches you know mm. mostly to do with Good when sign. i would move yeah. yeah but it felt like mm. things were dr- draining out of my brain and I could feel I had so much stiffness in my neck Mm -hmm, and in my upper back. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I was like, I feel like it's stuff is coming out of my brain and it's moving down my neck and my throat. But it's a slow process. Mm -hmm. And then when I could actually feel my lymph node like so swollen at one point after a couple of days after I realized that it was swollen, because at first this is so Kara, but I'm like, what is that? Do I have an implant? (laughs) Did my yeah. team yeah. it behind my ear? How have I never yeah. noticed this? And then I was like, wait a minute. I wonder if I have a lymph node back there. So I had to Google it because yeah. I didn't go through medical school. You know, as stuff comes up, I learn yeah. about it. But, right. um, but it was a slow process because I could really feel like, oh, I still have the stiffness, but I really had that sense of it. Like mm-hmm. it's really trying to work its way down. And then I happened to have a massage already booked this week. And I had finished it, but she and I told her like, okay, my lymph nodes have been swollen. So she was like, we can really focus on the endocrine system if you want and Mm -hmm. draining your lymph nodes and. So her report afterwards, she was mentioning like in, you know, in the groin kind of area, she's like, mm-hmm. you had a lot that still needed to move and then under my
1: arms and, yeah. you know, in my neck and everything. And I think what I'm going to start doing is that's something, that's one of those things that I do naturally. I always get massages and I focus on my lymph, lymphatic system because, I, you know, those are the trash cans and they do get calcified and they, they get blockages, especially when they're overindated by all the chemicals. So when you do the detox, it really helps if you get that massage and get that lymphatic drain in all the areas because you'd be surprised. Like it'll be, you'll they'll go, oh, yeah, you've got some stuff in there and they'll help work yeah. it out and you'll be sore, but it will be worth it.
0: Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah,
1: it's really incredible. It was funny
0: because I was Googling too, like some of it just to make sure, you know, I like I said, I was sure that the symptoms I had were because of the detox rather than yeah. any sort of illness. Right. But I also was like, these are curious things. So I would read some of the signs of detoxification and so mm-hmm. forth. And I remember one of them, like especially that first few days when I wasn't really having any symptoms, I'm like, no, nope, yeah. none of this, none of this. And then but I'm reading them and it's like, you could have body odor, you could have hives, you could have. And I'm like, no. And I'm like, would you even know if you did have body odor? Could you smell yourself? But it got to the point where I got in the shower one
1: day and I was like, oh, that's happening. And yes, you can tell. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) And that's and you know, that's the cool thing, is it's all good signs. And I'm and thank you for for being the person that doesn't just give up because of these things are happening. Because a lot of people don't realize like they start freaking out because of the smallest symptom. And I'm like, this is not supposed to be easy. This is a detox. You're literally taking decades and years of destroying your body with chemicals and pesticides and heavy metals and you're pulling it out in a really short time it's like trying to suck a vacuum cleaner at the bottom of a funnel with a hole that big you're just you're. it's gonna be it's gonna be rough <laughs> so. yeah and that was the sense that i had was that the first
0: yeah. week was like the low-hanging fruit and mm-hmm. it was just like oh that's just new stuff so it's not that attached yeah. you know it doesn't really it hasn't like Made a fortress yet. And Mm -hmm. then it it took, like, for me at least, it took a good week where it was like, okay, now we're destroying, like, where you've set up camp and Mm -hmm. the walls are coming down.
1: Yeah, now we're getting to the foundation of it. And I recommend doing that every year. I do it every year. But you don't have to do it as long. So you can play around, you know, do it for, like, five days or something. But if you do it consistently and maybe even throw in some maintenance every six months, you'll start to really notice a difference. And you'll feel right away when you're clear because it'll just be like, nope, don't need it anymore. Put it aside.
0: Yeah, so. I did get to that point, too, toward the end where I was like, actually, I'm going to at least do the smoothie. I think I did the smoothie and the charcoal an extra day or two. Mm-hmm. I think I did the smoothie maybe an extra two days and the charcoal an extra day. But I was like, I still had the hives or I still mm-hmm. had like some symptoms. And I was like, I don't want to just be like, OK, I'm done because I hit that right. two week mark is like stuff's still trying to come out. So mm-hmm. I'll just keep going. But Yeah. Thank you for that, because that was, it was an experience, for sure. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. And an experiment. And an experiment. (laughs) That's right. Yeah. (laughs) Can you talk a little bit about your perspective of disclosure on Earth and where you see we are and where we might be going?
1: Absolutely. So I actually had just posted this, too, on that meditation, but... I don't know if you guys noticed, but if you look at every one of my posts, 2030 has been a hashtag for a long time. 2030 is when we will have full disclosure in the sense that all of the history will have been released. We'll have already be walking among us, all of our galactic brothers and sisters, and will there'll be full contact and things will already be on the road to finality of change. So all of the technology will have been released. So 2030 is that's the number for when everything has come out. My 2026 is really when we're going to have first major contact as, you know, like boots on the ground in a very real way. And so that's where we're at. We're actually a little bit ahead of schedule for disclosure, which is great. So that's good to notate. So those those dates could change. The 2026 one could change. 2030 is still, that's one is still on course. But the 2026 one could, might be earlier. But uh, right now it's set for 2026.
0: Okay and then what do you <clears throat> see as being some of the some of the fallout of that like if we have full contact it's undeniable do you see like that i feel that would just be huge for humanity in terms mm-hmm. of like reality shift do you see yeah what that so that fallout might be
1: we've actually given the government an ultimatum so we've told them they are supposed to be doing it on their own so that is the agreement and they have until A certain date that we've given them. And then beyond that, we will do things. So it depends on what they do. So if they do it slowly, like they've been trying to, and they continue along that, and they may be trying to call our bluff right now. But, anyways, if they continue along the path of releasing it as they are supposed to, then it's going to be a gradual shift and it's going to be done by the government. If they don't, and we have to come forward and do it, then there could be some things, you know. Every time there's been contact, humans' first reaction, especially militaries, is to shoot first and ask questions later. And, but I think as a collective, the average human has moved past that. I think even when Congress was coming out with their disclosure, people were like, Aliens, that's great, but how can I pay my rent? You know, like they, it was like an aside. So I really think that humans would accept it a lot better than we think they would. I think that if it meant, These horrible things in their lives changing, they're going to be on board because everything is always like, oh, aliens are great, but can they help me pay my rent? Can they help me do this? You know, it's everybody's focus on their individual needs. So I think if that was going to be working in tandem together, then I think it would be fine. I really do.
0: Okay. Oh, it's fascinating. It's so fascinating to think ahead and like, Mm -hmm. wow, what if we just But the way that we see planes
1: in the skies Mm. and
0: so they're right there imagining like just seeing ships just as Yeah, and that's why you can see
1: them now more than ever. It's because we're they're testing our boundaries and we're testing theirs. So like, okay, you can you can call our bluff, but then we're going to start releasing a lot more and people are going to start seeing him a lot more. And then you're just going to look like the liar. So you Mm -hmm. can either come forth and be like, I was a bad kid. I lied about this. Or we can make you the liar, you know. So. Yeah.
0: And is this when you say the government, I assume mm-hmm. this is several mm-hmm. governments across the planet. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I'm co- talking about the collective government of the world is humans and, and stuff. So, yeah. yeah.
0: OK. Well, Mina, this has just been such such a joy. I've loved every second. Please tell people how they can
1: find you <laughs> and get their own galactic history report and so forth. Absolutely. And thank you so much for having me, by the way. It was a pleasure to be here. You can also find me on Instagram and all my social medias at Mina Full Travels. So Mina and then full F-U-L travels. It's a play on words like meaningful travels. My website is meanafultravels.com and all of my socials are that. So you can find me in any of those.
0: Okay. And you've got a ton of resources on Instagram So yeah, if people have not found you there yet, they'll, yeah, I highly recommend that too. There's so much there. Yes. Thank you. Wow. Thank you so much. This has just been incredible. I
1: really appreciate your time and, and everything that you're doing here on the planet. Thank you so much. And thank you for suggesting this. This has been a beautiful experience. Wonderful. Thank you.
0: I hope you enjoyed this episode. I'd love to ask you for one quick favor, and that's to share this episode with one person who you think will benefit from it. Let them know you're thinking about them by sharing this episode with them right now. Thank you, and I look forward to the next meditation conversation.